0: Hello, and welcome to the In the Can podcast. Uh, My name is Devin, and I'm here with... James. And... Tom. And we are not in a basement today. We're back in the lovely Masonic Lodge. Uh, So we might have, you know, emergency vehicles taken off. We don't know. Um, (laughs) It adds character. Yeah, it adds character, and then sounds really weird. (laughs) Um, So I hope everyone's had a decent week this past week. Actually, yes. Um... Let's just jump into it, shall we? Uh, sure. Coming out this previous weekend, uh, we're actually shooting this on a or uh, recording this on a Sunday. So, yeah, we had an extra day to watch movies that we probably didn't watch. So, <laughs> uh, come the movies that came out this weekend were Tolkien. Anyone see Tolkien? No, I wanted to though. I contemplated it, but I knew it'd be a biography. <sighs> right. I'll eventually get around to it. I, I understand. Watched it this weekend. Um, the Hustle. <laughs> nope, didn't yep. see it. I uh, figured nobody would get around to seeing that. I'll eventually see it. And Palms. Nope, not I, at I forgot about that one. I won't lie. Yeah, everyone kind of did. I'm guessing it didn't make much money. I'd be surprised. But yeah, those are the three that w- I knew nobody was going to be seeing. Uh, the big one we have to talk about is Detective Pikachu, which, yep. because we're recording this on Sunday, I can say did not win the weekend. Nope. nope. Uh, Avengers Endgame is still the... Still eked it out. that it is. Um, but yeah, Detective Pikachu came out this week, and I know for a fact that our opinions are differing. I will say, it did it did pretty well, especially uh, on the foreign market. It's combined, it's basically made back its budget. Okay. It has to double its budget. I'm, so, I am very much doubt it will do that. <laughs> uh, I'm we'll going to say that right now. I don't know if it'll survive this coming week. <laughs> so let's yeah. just get into it. What did you guys think of it? I I enjoyed it. I very much enjoyed the whole ride, even the second time through. I did see it twice this week. Surprising. And I thought it was full. The first time I had it, I had a 12 year old who wouldn't shut up every time a new Pokemon came onto the screen, Devin. I needed to see it again. And I almost had that room by a talking five-year-old. Okay. All right. Um, Wow. So the fact that you sat through it twice is... You still sat through it, but I enjoyed it both times. Uh, Again, you sat through it twice. Uh, I—I That's braver man than I. Um, The only thing that I liked from the entire movie was the world building. Everything else was... very much subpar. Um, The acting was... Drek, the... Uh, plot was incredibly, incredibly um, predictable. Predictable, yeah. Uh, And um, yeah, like I said, the only thing that I had going for it was the world building. (laughs) Which I think we can all agree, if nothing else, that the world building was phenomenal. I really enjoyed the world building, yeah. Um, There were some parts that they could have done better as far as CGI goes, but that's not surprising. uh, a, A little, yeah okay but uh I mean to be fair this being the first live action uh Pokemon movie that we've ever seen I think they did a reasonably good job with it as far as the world building presentation um the world building to me was great um yeah the acting oh, it was oof. uh there were times where I'm like wow this is an actual movie and I'm not watching like a parody. There early on there's a scene with a guy that looks at his phone and has five calls and they decide to just have this awkward shot pointing at him and he goes I hey I have four I have five missed calls. I I mean I must have they must have all just came through. I didn't get these calls like and it felt like a bad setup to Something okay. First off, I can say it's like, oh, I got. He he says the first line. It's like, oh, I got service back. Yeah, it's just the way they frame it, the way it's shot, (laughs) the the phrasing. It's like the phrasing isn't great. I'll definitely agree with that. But I, I won't lie. I don't know what you two are on about. It's like, yeah, there's definitely some lines that fall flat. Even especially some jokes that fall flat. My word. But on the whole, it's like I thought it was all serviceable. I mean. I think, for me, one of the most entertaining parts um, involving any of it that went through really well was the Mr. Mime scene. (laughs) I thought it was well executed, especially how that scene ends. Justice Smith did a damn good job on that one. Um, Like I liked the scene. I liked him getting into the box with the Mr. Mime. Uh, It... It's one of those weird scenes where I'm not sure what this target audience is. Because they never explain, they kind of quickly explain that Mr. Mime is a mime and, you know, this. But you have to get into his world, and he can do all this. And I can tell you now that people our age that have played the games and know Gen 1 Pokemon pretty well get this. Younger kids are not going to quite get the joke, and older people are definitely not going to get the joke because they have no idea what's going on, and they barely try to explain a lot of the world. I mean, you're saying that as a criticism, but I almost see that more as a a strength in that. They're tossing you in, so it's not—how awkward is it when a character explains to another character something that they should know because they grew up in the world? So, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong, and they probably could have had a better way of uh, naturally, organically explaining that, but at, to a certain degree, where's the hand holding stop? The, it needs a little bit, because like, people our age, again, will get it. And I'm sure it's targeted at our age or younger, you know, with there was a lot of kids in my theater as well. Uh, well probably like a 15 to mid 20s demographic I think isn't a horrible shot yeah and then there's a lot of times where it skews like child humor and then there's a scene where he's you think he's waterboarding a Mr. Mime with an invisible gas can it's like what whoa <laughs> okay that came out of nowhere I like, and how then they're like, I like how it's even pointed out it's like it's got really dark I like it <laughs> and then like he's like about to light this thing and burn a Mr. Mime and it's like whoa whoa this, this just went from making, like, this just went from making, like, potty humor to immediately crossing the line of torture. We've gone to mm-hmm. 24. It's, <laughs> it's, it hits these weird uh, kind of sporadic notes of, like, Shrek-level, like, child humor to all of a sudden some really dark stuff going on. And there's, like, no in-between. And when there is an in-between, it's, like, a joke that falls flat. Or it's, hey, there's this Pokemon that they don't ever, like, explain why this is a thing. So a whole lot of the audience that hasn't played the games or something like that just will have no idea where this comes from. And having played the games and having collected the cards and all that when I was younger, I get the joke. But I can tell that someone like my dad or someone like a slightly older parent that has kids that want to go see this, is going to be like, what did I just see? And it's one of those that the tone is all over in this movie. And it's just this kind of weird mishmash of style. And then, like, even when the points, they kind of delve into the human element with uh, Justice Smith and the, the reporter, their scenes are, like, super comedic at times and then it gets like kind of weirdly dark and then it gets like there's tension between them and like the kids will be like why is there tension i don't understand and the kids and the parents are like oh yeah sexual tension between these two characters and it's just it felt out of place at times yeah because then they jump to something else and it's like whoa i i will agree that it probably could have used a more consistent tone yeah but i will also say on the other hand that for all that most people think of the Pokemon world and all that sort of stuff as the cutesy, fluffy creatures. Yeah. If you actually delve in, and this is probably probably more our age, if you delve in and actually read like the Pokedex entries, there's some dark stuff, Devin. There's some messed up crap in that world. It also doesn't exactly help that I want to be a Pokemon trainer means I want to be a glorified dogfighter. I will say they definitely show they showcased that. They do very well. the scene in the trailers you see with Charizard fighting Pikachu, they kinda show that. And then they show like straight out of the anime shots like that look like they're out of like Pokemon Stadium. Oh yeah. Early in the movie. And that's one of those other things that it's great fan service. But it also paints a dark picture because it, it also doesn't just didn't look all that well. The the no, the stadium shot. No, it didn't. the uh, the rendering and the compositing of the CG is either really good or really bad. There is no in between. There's the in between. Like you notice it because like Pikachu looks great. I'm As well, say, he should. Pikachu looks great. Uh, the character of Snubble, uh, Ken Watanabe's partner. And all the all the characters have partners, Yeah, which I think are cool. Um Ken Watanabe's snubble looks great. The Psyduck, um, the <laughs> Lucy's, reporter's Lucy's assistant. Yeah. The third part of the Psyduck looks great. The bill looks bad. The eyes look weird. Yeah. You then go to like you see bulbazors, you see Machamps, you see Oh uh, the Machamps look not right. Anything that's not covered in fur? Looks really weird. It looks plastic. It looks like plastic or almost like play-doh at times. I and think the biggest one you can see right in the beginning is Mewtwo. Yeah, Mewtwo's in like the first or second shot of the thing. He was also on the trailer. So he's it's also on like, the trailer, which I thought was like, oh man, they just spoiled it, but no, he's like right on the Mewtwo right looks hardcore plastic. He has moments where he looks really cool, but then at times he just looked like someone lit lit a light bulb inside of like a plastic toy. Yeah. yeah it just ugh. the apalms um, yeah the APOM. they like textually look good but then their animation was really weird yeah and, wonky and yeah. especially when they had uh, when they started doing like the attacking and stuff like that yeah like they looked really weird and they didn't like <sighs> this is another thing where you randomly see these creatures there and they're like oh okay so they're just another Pokemon that hangs out on signs or something But they're not there for the rest of the movie. Yeah. And you never see these things again. And it's one of those that is kind of... Wait. So they're like, oh, now they're nice and happy and they're giving back his pants. But then you never see them again. No, you don't, do you? Yeah. Like, they're never on his sign outside of his apartment again. Even though they go back to the same location, they're not outside. Also, it's just me or did that sign read as Oak? There's a lot of little yeah. things like that. No, no, I know, Which, but it's like, I was wondering because you got a good shot in the daylight of that. The text, the like font they use, is also really odd because like it took me a while to read some of the font early in the movie. It, 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 I, it's it's gotta be like the Pokédex stuff. Yeah, it it has that kind of look of Japanese what kanji? Yeah. Well, not kanji. You uh, might be thinking katakana. 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 Yeah. But then it it's in English. So you're looking at it, and it's like you don't immediately understand what it says. Well, yeah, because it's not the types that we're used to. Yeah, and the fact that that's the way they do the title of the movie, and it like pops up in a pretty bland text that says "Detect or Pokemon Detective Pikachu," mm-hmm. yeah. and then it like disappears. I'm like, oh, that was the title. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and yeah. then they go into the story, and I won't say much about the story. I won't try to spoil it, but mm, I mean, I will. I apologize. Go, when it comes to the um, the text though, I like. I liked the idea that they were trying to go behind, go with that to give it that feel of, um, you know, the the English, English Asian, the, yeah, the Eng, English Asian crossover, yeah. which is fine. I'm I'm perfectly down with that. Um, it's just I, again though that whole uh, weird Kana thing that they were trying to do. Um, I, I, it's a little off. It, yeah, it's a little off. Even for somebody who, like, is somewhat familiar with uh, Hiragana and Katakana. Um, like, just looking at it, it still puts me off, even. It's both, but it's neither. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, wh- what did you do? I was sitting next to somebody who is fluent in Japanese, and they're like, what does that say? Yeah. I, I can't figure this out. This looks really weird. And yeah, because it's neither. It does Seems like it should be something in either language, but it's like, yeah, like oak. I I didn't even think about that now, thinking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, it probably does just say oak. And you know, I, I guess that's uh, maybe, maybe, maybe this nostalgia of everything is just hitting me hard. I ha- I kind of almost instantly shift into that mode where it's like, oh, okay, cool, I know exactly more or less what that's saying, yeah. and, and also <laughs> I won't disagree. The plot's predictable, you yeah. can see. Like, 99% of the stuff that's coming. Yeah. But I don't think it's bad because of that. I know you mentioned something about, uh, Tom, the fact that it says Detective Pikachu in the beginning. This was like, why Why should you be able to guess the plot from the get- get- get-go? But... It's, a, it's like a... It's a mystery, but to me, it's not a mystery for adults. It felt like it was more of a mystery for kids. So. Yeah, but, like, even if yeah. you look at things like, for instance, um, House with a Clock on Its Walls, uh, Harriet the Spy, uh any of the Nancy Drew movies, or the two Nancy Drew movies that have come out. Um wait a second know well, the recent one that That's just came right. out Mystery Beneath the Stairs and then um, there was one from the I think the nineties when we were kids. Yeah. Um the point is is like any of those movies they have a certain level of mystery to them even for a kid. Okay. Even Goosebumps he even had a level of mystery to it and it's not above a kid's level to grasp. It's just I don't understand why this couldn't have even the slightest bit of mystery to it that I couldn't have that I like was able to fill, figure out the plot before walking into the theater. As a paying customer, it going into there I would be incredibly mad having known the plot before going in and going, "Wow, I didn't even need to see this movie to know that, that this was going to happen." I just paid to see an hour and forty-four minutes of slightly poor, poorly rendered Pokemon in CG with bad acting. Awesome. I will I will counter that by saying, is it because you know so much of the actual games? No. No. I knew casting, was, and that's it. If yeah. I can guess the ending. Okay, that that's fair enough. I knew casting and I saw the uh, preview for the movie and I knew exactly what was going to happen. I... Even if I didn't... If I walked in knowing who was cast as Pikachu, I could tell you the ending of the movie. And it, it's you know just what? one of those that... I, I guess that's just another difference because I guessed it, but I also didn't care. Like that's not a detraction for me. Which... I'm not going to call you out, but it seems like it's a detraction tr- for you too. To me, it, it was like the the main mystery of the entire movie. They, I'm just like, well, it's so obvious. How can you not notice this? Yeah, and like the overall story, uh, the stuff using the way they use Mewtwo and the way they use uh, the R substance that they mentioned in the, this, which. I thought going into it was going to be a Team Rocket reference. Yeah, um, I thought it was Poker us, but that's okay. No, it's... I, I thought it was what you thought. R is from the game Detective Pikachu, which is Japanese only. I think it's now coming to America, but... No, it came out in uh, 2018. Uh, yeah. It just uh, so, came out. So it did eventually come out here, but uh, the R made from Mewtwo is... It is directly from the game. So, um, whereas I don't think the big mystery of... the movie Um, and at this point uh, I don't think we really need to tiptoe around it Uh, it's the the big mystery is what happened to his dad Yeah, and they like purposely backtrack and reiterate and then backtrack again and then they keep like making you think and then just one of the characters goes no all that's wrong and it's just here's what actually happened I happen to have a hologram yeah I won't lie That that was kind of a weird one okay, well, how do you have a hologram of this? And suddenly, why didn't you lead with that? It reminded me of uh, the ending of Civil War when they do the Winter Soldier reveal where it's like, oh, by the way, we had this camera mounted here this whole time. And just like, well, that's a weird... You just randomly had a camera there. Okay, sure, I'll buy that. But Well, there's a reason for that, and too, and I buy that one a lot more than the other ones. I buy that one a lot more than this. Yeah, I, I, I will 100% yeah. agree with that. Yeah. On the other hand, I'll say that for me, it didn't really matter. This is a movie that I have no no, uh, problem when it comes out to Blu-ray, buying it and just having it on the background. I I, I enjoyed it. But uh, this is the final thing I'll say on it. As a standalone movie, I prefer this to Endgame. Now, I will also say, taking the whole baggage that Endgame has, I definitely prefer Endgame to this. But it's also it's like if I'm gonna pop on a movie, and I would I wouldn't want something that has that much baggage. Even something like Infinity War has a little too much that you almost need to pay attention to. I like I could put this on in the background and not care. Like that old movie The Rock. Yeah, I I can see where they're coming from with that. Uh, popping into this, uh, I'll hypothetically say I'm my dad and I've never ever hurt or like actually thought of Pokemon. Popping into this and watching this without any precontext of what Pokemon is other than like vaguely knowing it exists Um, I would be confused as hell. They do a decent job of explaining what Pokemon are and why Rhyme City is different and that kind of stuff and I'd be like oh okay fine and some of the stuff would work some of it wouldn't. Sure. Probably not enjoy the movie ultimately but Done. going into Endgame not seeing, having seen any of the other Marvel movies, same kind of thing knowing they exist I would be thoroughly confused <clears throat> there is actually a video on YouTube about someone who had not seen yeah. any of them and Endgame was their first and really only one and it's just like you said it's yeah. like they had no clue about any, there was no emotional payoff because they didn't have the 22 movies before yeah, so it's, it's similar to watching Lord of the Rings three without one and knowing anything about one and two. Yeah, you're not going to get yeah. the, the points that is required. So, as a standalone movie, sure, Detective Pikachu works better than Endgame. That being said, I would still go and see Endgame ten more times before I go and see Pikachu again. Yeah. And I don't. I'd be very surprised if the opposite were true for you, Devin. Like, I'll probably see Pikachu again. Um, I'll probably just out of more out of curiosity, because there were definitely... I loved the world, and I, I thought... I actually really liked the reporter character. I thought she was fun. She was energetic. Yeah, I thought she was fun. Um, And I liked Ken Watanabe, and I liked his little assistant. Uh, <laughs> I like when they walk out of the room and pets the snubble and nah, you know I kind of stuff. I thought that was cute. Yeah, I some, personally would have loved yeah. to have seen the Ken Watanabe hour. Um, I, I like him as an actor. I think Bill Nye he's, not he's a that. treat. Yeah, Bill Nye a treat. But wow, was he just next musician machine that sat there? Yep, yep, he was. Like I would love a, I would love to see a second movie in this world that isn't so beholden to we have to tell this story? I think that's what they're going to do because this was just kind of tossing out the idea of, hey, would people actually like this? And I think, even though it might not make a huge amount of money, I think the interest is definitely shown. Yeah, It's made back its production budget. Now, here's hoping that it makes enough that people are like, yeah, you know what? If we do something kind of original, we might be able to do this. Yeah, I would be curious to see them do something in the same world, Um, given the way the movie kind of ends up. I'm not sure how, because reasons, but I I would be curious to see more in this world with, like, everyone walking around with a a Pokemon sidekick, and less about, like, gotta catch them all, and running off, like, as a 10-year-old kid, and less, like, a little bit more... Mature and, like, like, a more interesting story. Kind of take what they were doing here and take it that step further. That look like they wanted to do. Refine it a bit. Uh, for some of them, two extra takes. The opening scene, like, trying to catch the Cubone was pretty painful to watch. It was like, that's a Pokemon. You want to get a Pokemon. You don't have a Pokemon. Well, that's a Pokemon. And it was just like, it felt like it tacked on... Scene that they needed to do to make sure that you understand what's going on. Well, the writing just didn't and feel it, polished enough. Next, no, not at all. That was it. it I will. It I will agree with that. The writing was sometimes really hard to hear. There were a lot of times where it's like, "This is the line that I am saying," and it, it's not like there was no conversation. It was just like I'm telling you a line, yep. and that's it. I yep. will definitely and say it's... that even even with my my <laughs> rosy nostalgic glasses, I definitely there was definitely some lines where I winced. It's like. Oh, why did you say it like that? Yeah. and I will say that I I would watch a whole movie about a guy with a Ditto sidekick. (laughs) Ditto was awesome in this. I won't spoil anything else about Ditto, but damn, was that a cool character. Didn't see it coming. I will say that. Also, if you fall down uh, like 14 stories and land on an edge of a window, you are impaled on glass or you're dead. There are so many times in this movie where Justice Smith's character... Should have died. Wow, <laughs> it was so great—the part where the glass didn't cut. Yeah, and they're that stuck out the first time to me. The the stuff with the the torteras <laughs> the point where they're falling, that was and a then, good, then they just cut to oh, he's fine. That was a good. <laughs> what? That was a good sixty foot fall too. Yeah. there's a lot of points where it, there's a lot of points where it's like they're. Everyone here is made out of rubber, and it's not just because the, the Pokemon look like they're made out of rubber. <laughs> okay, again, I will say there's definitely some parts where the writing didn't, it kind of fell, but on the yeah. whole, I, I. If I was a kid, I wouldn't notice, and I think that's where we we might not be the target demographic for this. We are. It's odd because we are the generation that grew up playing Pokemon. So Why? it almost feels like it it should be. Targeted a little bit more towards us, but at the same time, Pokemon Go is huge with kids. So it's that's where the movie gets its odd balance of tone. You get the Ryan Reynolds Deadpool, which we all love, playing Pikachu, which we used to love, and now our kids love it. And it's like, well, there's your tone problems. Yeah, it, yeah. I, I guess that's the best way to put it is that they know they were targeting towards kids, but they also they threw enough. Overt and subtle fan service moments for the people our age. It's like I don't know exactly where I'm going with. I'm just gonna laugh at the stuff I find funny. Yeah, like Pikachu being addicted to coffee. (laughs) I am all in. That was awesome to me. The one, the the one that was in the trailer. It's like these are just choices. choices. I can stop anytime I want. (laughs) Another one. Black, black as night. Thank you. It's like that's. I laughed in the theater both times I came up because that was hilarious. Yeah, I, I genuinely thought that was a fun moment. But no, honestly, I, I will definitely recommend anybody that hadn't seen it, see it in theaters. It's actually If you are a, a Pokemon fan when you were a kid, go see it. Absolutely. If your kids want to go see it, and you have absolutely no love for Pokemon, they still have the babysitter go see it with them. <laughs> and, and if you can't, honestly, there's a, there's a good number of adult jokes in there that you'll probably find yourself chuckling at least once. It's a fun I'm, thing to look at. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, if you really want to go see it, I'd go see it. Just don't expect a lot. Um, I wasn't expect. I did not have a high expectation. I this. didn't have a high expectation, but it still like fell under the bar for me. So I'm, I'm about with you, Tom. Like Man. I was expecting seven out of ten, and I I think I gave it a six out of ten. It it wasn't. It was just there's so many. Wrong with it that could have been fixed if they had like another month. Yeah, I think that for me, I was expecting yeah. like six, seven, and it came in at about four or five, more towards the five scale. But man, I'm the weird one then. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm the weird one not giving it that who isn't usually giving it enough flack. It's like yeah. I'm usually the one that's harsher than you two, and suddenly I'm on the opposite end. Wow, this sucks. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, like I really I know how <laughs> like going into it. I really wanted to like the movie, but ultimately, I just. I couldn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to. I'll take my rose-colored glasses and leave. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was Detective Pikachu. I, I knew it would be a little... We got talking before we started recording, and it was a little contentious. So, uh, anyway, coming out this week, uh, we have Dog's Journey, the sequel to what? Dog's Purpose? Or, yep, yeah, Marley and Me? Or Dog's Prop- Purpose. they right? all the same. Dog's Purpose. Dogs don't go to heaven. They just come back. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know what? That's good. That's it. Interesting implications, right? Yeah. I'm oh. sure none of us will probably see it. I won't. Uh, really, dog's purpose? So. The best. The best way I can explain it is how my sister did. It's like it's watching a dog die over and over, essentially. Yeah. It's, Constantly die. The movie is essentially just a way to sell stock and Kleenex. <laughs> yeah. Uh There's also a movie called "The Sun Is Also a Star." Uh, just a pretty decent-looking um, romantic, or like a romantic dramedy. What's it? Looks like- Looks um, like a Nicholas Sparks movie. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. Uh probably won't end up seeing it, but it is coming out. Eh. Uh, and then the big one, John Rick chapter three, Parabellum. Parabellum. Yep. Uh, which is both a dumb dumb bullet that blows your head off and also uh prepare for war in it it is, Latin. Yeah, it is yeah. it it is not a nice phrase anyway you look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, John Wick three, uh I'm looking forward to it. same, same I really like the first, really like the second. The director of the first one, Chad Stahelski, is coming back for it. Yeah. I prefer the first one. Still enjoyed the, the second one. And it, considering that, like you said, Stahelski is coming back for this round, I'm almost expecting a Die Hard uh, trilogy where it's like first one was, was great. Uh, second one, not as good, but still enjoyable. And the third one kind of bumps up above the first one for me. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I loved the first two movies. There were great action films. Um, really looking forward to this. Uh both of them really showed me the uh f- physical lengths that Keanu Reeves is willing to go to to <laughs> wow. perform in a film, um, even more so than anything that we saw in Matrix and everything like that. Um, and it also made me feel like as an actor, like he's really grown a lot. Um, even if he hasn't didn't show a whole lot of like Necessarily depth at times, like as a performer, his dedication towards his craft is definitely. I never disbelieved him, yeah. Like, I never saw something he did, and it's like that doesn't fit. It's like it was all, it's like, yeah, yeah, I can see it. (laughs) No, but I mean, like, for I guess lack of emotion, but then again, that is also the character, he's stoic. Yeah, I mean, his character isn't necessarily full of emotion. He is, but it's usually boiling beneath the surface. Yeah, it's it's muted. It's someone who keeps it all internal, and Keanu Reeves was the perfect person to play the role. Absolutely. he's Absolutely. Like, And as you said, he, he punishes himself with learning everything he can for it. To, he's basically on par with Tom Cruise in that regard. Absolutely. They and will go to stupid lengths. And seeing yeah. um, his training with... Uh, the weaponry alone and running the obstacle courses that he has to learn. Those Um, videos are cool. Those are really cool. And then having seen um, a couple of reporters in the industry go through and try to do the same thing behind him and just realize how difficult that is. Oh, yeah. The stuff he did is amazing. And hear him go, yeah, he did this in like 30 seconds and they're like, "Yeah, it just took me two minutes to get through this thing." Wow. Oh yeah, he 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 definitely masters whatever he's he's told he needs to. Yeah. Even if he isn't strictly told he needs to do it, it's like because yeah. the videos uh, you mentioned, there's a point where uh, with the shotgun where the barrel jams because the uh, the bullet casing doesn't quite come out all the way. Without even hesitating, he just clears it and keeps going. Clears it, reloads, and keeps going. Like he's just a natural extension. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he's become one of the best kind of action actors out there. Which, Mm -hmm. segue! (laughs) It's a good segue if you point it out. Uh, (laughs) This week, we're going to be talking about action films. And since I don't want to just be talking this whole time, let's let Tom lead this. See how it works. All right. So uh, when it comes to action films, we often wonder or talk about what makes an action film good. Uh, what is the bread and butter that is uh, an action film versus that we want to go see versus a film that is an action film, but we're kind of like, oh, I guess it's a, something that we saw, and we, why did they make that movie? Um... So, some of the things that we go into and look at um, are, like, practical effects versus CGI. Uh, Just as an example off the top of the list here of things in my mind. Um, So, when it comes to practical versus CGI, uh, practical effects being actual effects, for those of you who don't know out there. Uh, So, things that are physically being done versus I'm taking a computer and digitally putting it into the, uh, the frame of the, the picture um, of what's going on. So, uh, a great example of um, practical effects, things that are actually going on, Mad Max Fury Road. There was tons of explosions, there was tons of actual props being used versus I've got this green screen or I've got this motion capture thing going on and I'm not actually physically doing this thing. Um, on the same hand, they also did use a lot of really good CGI with that film. Yeah, that, um, Fury Road is one of those that they have a lot of CG in it, but it's not like the focus. Right? Well, no, the CG enhances; it doesn't replace. It has extra cars in the background. The obviously the sandstorm. Yeah, the, yeah. So it's like it, it enhances; it doesn't replace, which I think is the biggest the biggest thing. If I, you know, what uh, a good way to kind of showcase it the the two thing movies uh the the original john carpenter one in 82 and the 2011 one it's like yeah. you go back and you watch the 82 one everything still feels like actiony and tension filled because of the, the the absolutely stunning of practical effects that were done for that movie and then you go to the 2011 one it's like yeah the action's more like prominent more Uh, more hectic but because everything's been replaced with cg it looks dated which is really annoying because they still had all the practical effects they just in post made the decision oh you know what we're going to turn all these into cg because that's what's going to sell and it it didn't really work it it made it so that it's like instead of being a a interesting nuance of what happened as a prequel before john carpenter's It just kind of was like, eh. It kind of draws... When you see the original with special effects design by, I believe it's Rob Botten? Yes. Or something like that. Um, His designs, uh, you can't like... There's so many times where you can't tell it's a a creature until it's all of a sudden a creature. And at the time, they didn't have computer-generated imagery uh, CGI um, to kind of fake that so quite often like a lot of the jump scares the big one that everyone always sees is the the um, defibrillator and all that oh that yeah. one was that's trickery right there That going in you honestly think oh yeah that's a guy's body and then all of a sudden it's like oh okay cool it is one that if done nowadays it would not look as good no because another thing they did with, with that one in particular is uh, the person doing it was actually a double a double amputee on the arms, and so they basically made they basically made prosthetics for it that got ripped off, and then had a mask of the character's face over it for that brief moment where he's screaming, because he's basically just been reduced to the uh, his original uh, arms, and it's like, wow, a movie that actually blends that exact concept with a really interesting cgi is uh spider-man 3 yeah i know everyone hates spider-man 3 but i never really watched there is a scene where spider-man is fighting sandman yes and spider-man punches into sandman and gets his arm stuck inside sandman (laughs) Mm -hmm. they and he changes back into his thomas hayden church form and then punches spider-man they did that scene by legitimately having a man who has had his arm amputated Uh, with his arm up against Thomas Hayden Church. So it looks like it's going all the way through. Yeah, so it looks like they actually did that practically and then added the CG of him. I think he turned his arm into a, like, hammer or something. A fist or something. He goes clayface on it. Yeah, he clayfaces him. But they practically did the punch. Considering he was in a mask at the time, most likely. Yeah. that's. I always love when they use that to do something exactly like that. It's like they use they use the mask not as as something to to do a gag to do a, a gag an action yeah. stun because they can put the stuntman in there without anybody really being any of the wiser. Yeah, and you get shots like that that are just really cleverly done, and that's when you get the best CG. Is when you get um, a practical trickery enhanced by CG right because what ultimately we were looking for when it comes to practical versus CGI or using CGI is something that's believable the problem with CGI even now as far as uh, CGI has come in recent years um, is the fact that it's like visually we more often than not can tell the difference between something that is fake and something that is real. It's an uncanny valley thing. Yeah, and it's it's really something that um takes away from a film if we can't believe that it's currently that it's actually going on. Well that's that's kind of the thing is the fact that when it's something pure CG, how many things do you see that just don't look like they have any weight? Okay. Oh, there's a lot of times, yeah, where you don't, where you look at something and it's like, well, that's an object, but then you see it moving, it's not, it it will like hit and it will slightly bounce, or it just does not It doesn't behave like physics and our mind think it should. Yeah. Right. Something that uh, breaks that a, little, a bit more was Alita Battle Angel, where Alita had weight to her. She was yeah. fitting the physics of the world that we understood and know. Um, figure like, out whenever she moved, it wasn't that weird, almost fluid-like kind of way. It's like, there was a, there's a weight and, like, like, physics bound to her and most of the other people in that. Exactly. Some other ones are, like, Lord of the Rings, like, Gollum. Yes. Gollum, yes. <laughs> it was a really early motion capture, and motion capture, uh, they did that for Alita Battle Angel with mm-hmm. Rose Salazar. Rosa Salazar? Yeah. And, um... They like they've done it through various things. King Kong again, Andy Serkis. Caesar from uh, Planet, of the, Planet Apes. of the Apes again, and Andy, Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis. Uh, honestly, uh, you, you could you could throw you could throw Andy Serkis name at most any motion cap, and ninety percent of the time you'd be right. It's either him or it's Tony Kevill who played uh, Koga, Koga, yeah. Koga, in yeah. the second one. But but yeah, like motion capture like that. If you get a good motion capture actor you'll end up with a brilliant character. Like, Gollum Yeah, still holds up, and yeah. it's almost 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And still looks better than some stuff coming out now. Yeah. Like, uh, you look at that compared to and I, just because, you look at Mewtwo. <sighs> Mewtwo, and, like, is what's called keyframe key <laughs> animation. And you get that kind of really flowy, really, like, almost like there. they're a robot doing their thing. Or they are something without mass doing their thing, which I won't lie, kind of works with Mewtwo. He, it works, but at the same time, it doesn't look right. He, it's, he doesn't have the anatomy. Like you don't see muscles moving. You don't, he just doesn't look like he's real. He looks like he's a toy, like a well-made toy. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but still a toy. Yeah. Another uh, example of uh practical being aided by CGI. That works was in the movie gladiator. Uh whenever we see the scenes in that whenever we see the scenes CG in, in it, a lot scene, CG Gladiator. Yeah, it, one of the best examples of it is in the scenes involving the Colosseum. Every time that we see a broad picture of the audience where we're seeing the large crowd, they only had about two thousand actors on hand. Everybody else is either a cardboard cutout or a CGI imprint. <laughs> <laughs> anytime you see Rome, it wasn't Rome, yeah. Rome right? Yeah. Anytime yeah. you see Rome, CG. Yep. it is like completely CG. You know what? I guess that kind of says it the best. It's like, yeah, CG isn't bad, but it basically sh- I should be saying exactly what I just did. It's like that was CG. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's when it works the best because everyone always it's it's a visceral reaction. It's like that's why that's why the Fast and the Furious some of the stunts they do they do it practically because it looks and feels like it should be, or. Mission impossible when he's climbing it goes protocol when he's climbing yeah. the thing. The other, that's Tom Cruise doing that. There's CG in that, but it's to remove the wire that saved his ass. Yeah. And that's another thing. CG removes wires like crazy. That's great for great for action pieces. That was one of the mm-hmm. best that was one of the best things they came up with for that. Yeah. The other thing that they use CG a lot, and I'm glad you mentioned Gladiator. Gladiator does not use CG blood. No. But sometimes they do. They do it in a way that's not obvious. John Wick is the best example I can think of. That yeah. is that the blood spiders are CG, but because of how it basically feels like a like a hyper realistic comic book movie, it,
1: it doesn't works. draw
0: your attention to no. like. I'll take three hundred and more obviously three hundred. Rise of an Empire, three hundred number two, three hundred two. <laughs> um, you can say it properly. The digital blood. Sprays out in ways that just make absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas something like John Wick or The Raid or any of these movies that use a lot of kind of composite, either real blood or assisting with fake blood, then don't make it obvious. You barely notice. Like John Wick, I wouldn't be surprised if there's actually squibs in there. Squibs are they're, they're blood shots, like yeah, like real hits and prosthetics. You know, are inside of me. Yeah, because because of the way it's used, because of the lighting, everything is done to to show and the the blood splurts are more to just confirm a kill shot or something. It's like I think the most obvious one that I can think of off the top of my head was in the club when you've got that giant Russian dude in the bikini. Yeah. Like the shots out of him are like the most obvious, but even then it's it, it still works. Shots on human flesh? like quite often those will be digital because you can't put a squib on someone without a shirt um so you'll see that and yeah those are usually the most obvious because you know how a human body works Mm -hmm. like you know how it moves um headshots like sometimes they work so so often the head just explodes and it's like that's not how that works right a lot of of zombie movies a lot of walking dead it has that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, unless you got something that would actually explode when it hits, uh, that doesn't really work. Even exactly. yeah, that, it's like when the head is removed, it's like, oh, there's a there's a digital effect. So um, yeah. yeah. So uh, the next thing that we come to when we talk about um, what makes an action film awesome. Is uh, choreography more often than not. <laughs> that, and we'll lie, that ties heavily into the practical too. Exactly. And great examples uh, that were just brought up were The Raid and John Wick. Uh, the Raid, you look at how they do all of those um, stunts, the fighting, everything like that, uh, practical, and they're really kicking the crap out of each other, but they know what they're doing because they rehearse it time and time and time and time again Whoa. to the point where it's second nature. It's that it's like moving, walking, breathing, their everyday thing. It's like a giant dance. They know what they're doing. They know how to react to it. They know how to take the hit. They know how to take the fall. They know how to do everything. Well, uh, to piggyback on that, they actually train for over a year specifically so that if... When an accident happened and someone hit a little too hard, the person that got hit then didn't just have that human reaction. of okay, I'm going to hit you next. I'm going to hit you hard next time I have to hit you. So it's like, it, it's a trust thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. An, to go another route also, we'll get any Jackie Chan movie. He has a team. It's not just Jackie Chan. Yeah. He's yeah. got a specific team to do all this stuff. And you look at it. It the choreography is it is done to make the most of whoever's wh- whoever is doing the scene the best of their ability exactly and they showcase that and they like you said they practice over and over and over and over months like i'd say even weeks is too short for some for most of this stuff you look at a lot of movies like a lot of the martial arts coming out of china and all that um bruce lee films jet lee films you know uh, take your pick. Tony Ja. Tony Jaa, uh, Wise and the various people out of Indonesia, they're, they will rehearse for months for what ultimately ends up as a two-minute fight scene. Mm-hmm. And then the stories on a lot of those, you know, you don't, they, there's not much. They surface but, it. But the action, the choreography, particularly in martial arts, uh, gunplay and, like, gun kata that kind of stuff here in america like matrix and equilibrium and all these kind of gun based martial arts are primarily american and they're a certain level but you don't have the hand-to-hand fist fighting that you do coming out of particularly china you get a lot out of like korea in the revenge stuff like old boy and you have some in japan and indonesia is a lot and there's a lot of other places in the general area But, you know, here in America, a whole lot of what you see is uh, 10 or 11 different short takes and not long choreographed. And the biggest thing is time, is that American, like Western in general, but America specifically, wants a quick turnaround. They want it out fast. They want it done now. I know I, I seem to recall an interview, like a couple interviews that Jackie Chan had where that's kind of his biggest issue with a lot of with a lot of the action stuff he's done uh, American made. But it's you look at the you look at the Asian stuff and like you said, they they take months for what is sometimes as little as a minute long fight that is damn near unthinkable over here. And honestly, I think a lot of our action suffers because of it. Ours is all about how can we make it look cool and flashy, whereas they will, like, choreograph everything so it it looks cool and flashy, but it's not digital effects. And it's not like, let's move the camera in crazy way. It's got a physicality to it. And the other, other thing, I know it's, I, I believe it's Flashpoint. Don't quote me on that, but... There's a Donnie Yen and the guy who plays uh, Seraph in the Matrix trilogy. No, you're talking about Killzone. Killzone. Um, the yeah, two SPL. of them, yeah, they start fighting, and then they forgot the choreography. So they just fought. And fight. they improvised an entire shot or entire fight that goes on for about five minutes. And it's easily one of the best fights I've seen yeah. on film. It and is it's so good. The two of them just going at it, and they trust each other enough not to beat the crap out of each other. But they know who had to win, and yeah. they knew they had to escalate. They so they just yeah. they just did it. Right. I mean, and it, another thing. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Donnie Yen's. I think he's a fantastic uh, martial Arnold. artist. Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, I mean, his background of. Uh, I believe it was his mother um, being a very accomplished martial artist and then owning her own martial arts studio. Oh, that's cool. And then him learning from a very young age and going through that. Um, you know, uh, having seen one of my favorite series with him and Ip it- Man um, mm-hmm. one, two, and three uh, watching him do all the fights and all those was fantastic. Um, then coming back and seeing, you know, uh, on the other end, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, watching things like Lee Pace do his thing with... Uh, or not Lee Pace. Uh, Donnie, er, um, Ray Park, sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ray Park, watching him do his choreography with the lightsabers and all the Maul. fights as Darth yep. Maul. Um, just being able to see all that stuff. For me, it's a wonderful thing to see, Um, especially knowing for the for a fact that at some point or another... The actors who are taking part in all of this are also getting at some form of weapon in their hand to fight with and learn to do all of these moves with that they're doing to some extent or another. One of the bigger ones that I can think of that that Western made that did take that time to do the choreography, do it all right, Kingsman. Yeah. Yeah. That church scene, the directors, the, the, the director specifically told <sighs> Colin Firth, it's like if you can't get in shape to do this, I'll cut you. Like I will cut you from this, and yeah. you can walk. They do it all in. That's tricky. not helps here, but they did it all in one continuous shot, and it's as intense as some of the long single takes coming out of most other places. Yeah, it yeah. it is on par with some of, with some of the better stuff out of the uh, out of the Eastern countries easily, mm-hmm. because they took the t- and it's. It's a lot it's a lot of the hand to hand, but it also involves a decent amount of uh realistic gunplay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And why? Because the how how long did they take for that specific thing train? I know Colin Firth was trained for five months just for that. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not but, sure. Man. But they took it shows so much because everyone remembers that scene. That's, that is like the big scene of the movie because they took their time, they did the choreography correctly, and it shows. That one, um, another one that I really liked, uh, at least the first one of Ong Bak. Ong Bak is good, yeah. Ong Bak and the Protector is really Tony yeah. Job just again, yeah. Kicks. Tony Job, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. Put his legs on fire to kick someone in the head. <laughs> that takes dedication. I like that he ran up a glass wall and then an ATV went through the glass wall while he was flipping over it. That is just an impressive and ridiculously dumb stunt. (laughs) It's like that also kinda goes into the practical bit because that was all like if he if there had been a misstep, a mistiming, oof oh yeah. That That would have that would have ended badly. I mean how many times has uh, Jackie Chan said that he's broken himself in one way or another. 75 bones or something. Yeah. He's broken himself in one way or another more times than he can count just to put together a fight scene for something or something he's the, doing. He, Some of the bloopers from his action comedies have actually shown moments he, where he broke something. He broke his back filming Armor of the Gods I think. Yeah. and it's like, wow, Ooh, okay. Jeez, uh, here. Yeah. I mean, a, no. One of his biggest issues coming to America is that They don't allow him to do certain stunts that he could do in China because it's too dangerous. And one of the other things, too, is uh, we get into choreography. Choreography, not just in fighting and everything that we see, but also, too, in just the general action sequences. Look at uh, Tom Cruise when it comes to the Mission Impossible movies. Fast and Furious with the cars. Exactly. Tom Cruise, for instance, in the last movie that he was in, broke his ankle in the middle of a scene... Middle of a shot. Middle, Middle of a shot, floor. yeah. Really? It's, in, it's in the trailer. Yeah. And he, he he finished. He got up as he's jumping across between from one building top to another. He broke his ankle because he landed wrong. Got up and finished running off, Ran screen. off screen. And oh. of screen. And then goes, um, I think I need to go to a hospital now. I'm broken. No, no. He said he. I think. I think because I remember watching the the Graham Norton show about that. And it's like I'm pretty sure he said he, he, what he said. He said was uh, it's like I need to go to the hospital. I broke. I, I broke my foot. Yeah. Like, and then he knew. You yeah. don't know. And he, you see him limp off, and you're like, okay, yeah, that looks like it hurt. It makes sense that he's limping, but he finished the scene out, and he's like, cool, we got it, we're good. Okay, I need to go to the hospital now. Yeah. yeah. Like it's dedication. It's that kind of dedication from. Um, the actors and the people putting together all the choreography. A man has, who has no care for his body. <laughs> right, that makes some some of the best action films. Um, next up, going off of that, is uh, the fact that we have great cinematography and that we actually see the action that's going on on the screen um, yeah. fully in all of its glory versus well, we get to see part of this thing because the shot wasn't framed right or um, they were trying to go for this one particular scene that doesn't work out because XYZ factor and it ruined it. So now we get this half-assed shot of a action scene. Well, the biggest one that always comes to most people's <laughs> mind is close-up shaky cam a born. Yeah. That's uh, the, the biggest one. Bourne? Uh, particularly once Paul Greengrass took over as director, uh, *Born*, Supremacy, and Ultimatum. Um, the Shaky Cam, you fully know what's going on still. Oh, like, I, w- I wasn't saying that as a direction for no. *Born* Born's one of the only ones that I can think of off the top of my head yeah. that utilize it in a way that, every- like you said, everything still makes yeah. sense, but it shows just how hectic everything would kind of actually be. But since *Born*, Supremacy did it so well they then started using it in other movies. And I I use Taken 2 and 3, where they try the same kind of shaky cam through editing. And this will tie in with editing as well. It yeah, might as well. Um, but a lot of people try to do shaky cam with while editing it. And you just get, like, shots of people's faces, shots of a hand, shots of another person's face, shots of, shots of legs moving, shots of, like... You'll end up with just a bunch of nonsensical things going on. But it's honestly one of the worst things I... I one of the things I hate the most in Winter Soldier, there's a little too much shaky cam and editing for my liking. And it's like, the worst thing is that, unlike a lot of other examples, the choreography in it is, it's still those two going at it and doing all that stuff. It's like, show me it. Let me see these two superhuman badasses beat the, beat the hell out of each other. It's like, I want that. I want to see everything. It's why, after so many years, when the first John Wick came out, it's, I, I sadly didn't see it in theaters and I beat myself up for that so much but it's like I saw it and it's I see everything I see him beating everyone and I love it yeah and that's where cinematographers and I'll go to uh, uh, children of men the whole yeah. scene inside the car I mentioned I've mentioned this before yeah but like the camera is panning around and it's showing you where to look and that's where a good cinematographer really pays off is they show you where to look. It's not just showing you a random thing. It's not showing you Tom Cruise's face, showing you, you know, the alien that's about to attack him, showing him back to the face, showing the gun cocking, show, showing him pull the gun up. If they do it correctly, they can show the face and then pull down to reveal that the alien's coming, pull pull up with the gun, you know. it, it They can make it all... This is what you're focusing on. I guess the best way to phrase it, from what I'm hearing from you, is cinematography is choreography for the camera. Yeah, exactly. Cinematography, uh, this is what you're looking at, and this is how you look at it. This is what should be important to you for this scene. And an editor... Will then go afterwards and go slice, 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 here's the stuff and here's compliment. And some of the best action scenes have tons of edit editing but you don't tricks notice it. it. <laughs> but you don't notice it. You like, don't think, man, what that I, I missed that shot. Where's that shot? I want to go back to that shot. What's uh going um, back to Kingsman, like that the church scene. It's like, like there's a lot of very subtle edits that once you notice it. It, it doesn't detract, but you know, ah, that's where they cut, isn't it? Yeah, Because there's, a, there's, like, seven different tricks that they, that they use. Not all at once and not consistently, but it's, like, there's a bunch of tricks they use to hide that they have several different takes in this one long shot. Yeah, and Serenity does that a few times with, like, going through darkness or, you know, there's various things like that. And if you have good choreography in front of a good camera operator, it'll look phenomenal. Oh, yeah. If you have terrible choreography in front of a good co- cinematographer, it can still look good as long as the editor knows what they're doing. And then um, taking three. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. cut 13 times to jump over a fence. Yeah. Yeah. Or you go to the opposite end of the spectrum and you look at Snow Piercer, where <laughs> the fight scene um, where they get to the um, fish. Cutter's car or whatever it was called. Oh, the fisherman's car. Fisherman's car, where it's all in uh, dark and flashes, and and you're looking at it with the uh, night vision, and if you're then all of a sudden like window opens up or whatever, and you're like, oh, there's this flash of light, and now they're going through a tunnel, and oh look, a match is lit, and it it's the way that they did it was brilliantly done. Because you knew exactly where to look at all the right times. This is the angle that it's best to see this particular scene through. Yeah. And, that's and it was where, gorgeous. That yeah. is an <laughs> example of a great editor. The cinematography, I love the cinematography in the movie, but the cinematography could have been just okay. But the editor made that scene. Yes. And. Well, to go to a good thing with editing, uh, <laughs> I think everyone knows, but they just don't talk about the fact uh, the first Star Wars movie. Like, the Mm -hmm. editor saved that movie and made it what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And editors quite often can save the movie. The editor is also kind of known as the second director. There's literally a a role called the second director, but the uh, editor is the second director of the film. The director hands off their piece, and then if the editor knows what they're doing, you are probably going to get something good. If you know how to shoot the movie. If you give them something good, you'll get something you good back. You will get something back. If you have a bad <laughs> editor, you can give them something on the part of Lord of the Rings or Godfather, and you'll end up with something that kind of looks like a parody. <laughs> or, or Land Before Time. The gother. <laughs> then the other, like, the uh, even the other ending of editing is if you get hyper-editing, like we mentioned Taken 3. I've mentioned Resident Evil. Oh my God! Whatever the newest couple is, the last two they are bad. The last few have just been terrible. With they have like Gods of Egypt. Gods of Egypt. There's ways to do. Another one that had bad CGI. Yeah. Yeah. There's ways to do quick cuts like that only last a second or two. Not when I'm trying to see a fight scene. Yeah, when we get into an action scene, we want to see the action. That's why we're here. We want as few cuts as possible because that way we can soak it all in. Yeah. Exactly. That's where I have done nothing but go off on Edgar Wright, but the editing in Scott Pilgrim and the editing in Hot Fuzz and even Baby Driver, they're like pitch perfect. Yes, I 100% agree. He knows where to put the camera. He knows how to shoot it. He makes sure he gets all the shots. He gives it to a damn good um editor that editor then does exactly and egg right is literally sitting next to him going tweak up down a little bit more a little bit less because egg right understands how to edit and that is honestly it i know some people will say it's like oh you're a control freak but it's like no he knows what vision he wants oh. to give and 99 times out of 100 it's pretty much he he gives you something that you just need to tweak just that little bit, even though he'll do like 50 takes for one thing sometimes, I'm sure. Yeah, sure. And the other thing that um, I want to bring up to another great example of cinematography is Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. The, no. the, Normandy. Yeah, the Normandy is a great example. Um, yeah. There's a lot of points too throughout the film where we get this, um, uh, where we get the light, the way it feeds into the lens of the camera where it gives us this, like, camera flare. Um, it happens. But the way it's done also gives you... It, it, it makes you feel like that confusion of being there... Shell shocked. The yeah. shell shock, the... You feel like you're there. Because exactly. Because when one of the, the shells hits near uh, Tom Hanks, you actually get the ringing. Um, yeah, and that's where the sound design in that movie is unbelievable. It My is wonderful. Uh, just a... a Pure example. My grandfather was involved in the battle, or, uh, the invasion of Omaha Beach, and he said that that is the closest that anything has ever brought him back to that moment in his life. Was seeing that film and that particular scene, and hearing that coming from my grandfather, who never talked about World War Two or his experiences with anybody other than me, really, like out of all the grandchildren out of all the children that was something that really resonated with me. Yeah, that's and your grandfather is not the only veteran who from that from that time that said that. The like most everyone that was asked about that had that from what I've heard has said the exact same thing. The uh, cinematographer for that if I remember correctly it's Janusz Kaminski who does a lot of stuff with Spielberg. He particularly decided to change the uh the, like the, the disc in the actual camera that spins so that they can expose, they actually condensed it down and made it spin faster, so you get that almost strobe-like effect. Okay. Oh, well, you know what? That's yeah. why it seems so jittery and jarring compared to like nowadays, which because no there's blur. absolutely no motion blur. Yeah. That's what the ultimate difference was. <clears throat> I believe it's called f stuff, If I might. If I'm remembering correctly, <laughs> he actually reduced the size of the um, of the light area coming into the camera. Okay. So he ends up with this like super crisp, no motion blur. And you pause any movie, there's a lot of motion blur, especially in more like frenetic action action scenes. In this, every single one looks like a painting. It's mm-hmm. it's a very particular style, just to give it that kind of jarring like just something feels off effect to it. Yeah. And that's where the cinematographer made this choice, shot some test stuff and showed it to Steven Spielberg, who had said, boom, done, I'm in. You got the same type of effect when you watch uh Band of Brothers or Again, I think that's the a, Pacific as well. Both are the same cinematographer. And they're all play, they're all three of them are from Playtone Pictures as well. Yeah. They're all which is uh, Tom Hanks's and Steven Spielberg. Uh, and Steven Spielberg's uh, production company. <laughs> oh, one of Steven Spielberg's production companies. <laughs> right. The other Amblin. Right. Wow, though. that That is actually, I did not know that. Boom, you yeah. got it right. Janusz But yeah, so going off that, though, um, another thing that helps drive the cinema or cinematography and the editing and because a lot of that helps start to play like an emotional feel to us is uh, the score and soundtrack. Score and soundtrack really help us um, start tying in everything that we're seeing, um, on that, like I said, that emotional level, that level where we're actually able to say, yeah, I'm really starting to get into this. I'm, you know, my heart starts pumping more with it. Um, my, uh, adrenaline's racing, uh, you know, those kind of things. Like, we listen to The Matrix, and we start getting, like, do host playing. Uh, you know what, Tom? I got to stop you there. Are you, are you sure you should really be saying that, considering that unless, if it doesn't have lyrics, you kind of ignore it? Well, or are you saying that before we start right, here? Right. So, for, for the most part, yeah, I don't pay attention to a lot of the soundtracks for a lot of things. And it's true. However, when it comes to an action sequence in some cases I do pay attention. It's just because that snippet of time, I'm hearing this thing and I'm tying it in with what's going on with the action. I will I will definitely say that more <clears throat> often than not, the soundtrack is meant to enhance, not take over. Certain times it takes but, over. Yeah. Well mostly yeah. that's why I said mostly. And that's when you recognize the song. Mm-hmm. Um and then other cases it's also meant to help drive the action that's going on. Okay. So it helps to drive it home what we're getting at. So again, like I said, with Matrix we get that like house beat, that super you know like repetitive beat over and over Pump again. Techno, I guess. Yeah, a lot way. of the Juno okay. reactor. They did Navras, who was the Super Burly Brawl. They did Mona Lisa Overdrive, and I believe they did the song for the Burly Brawl for the second and third movies. Okay. So they're very heavily in in there. Yeah, right. so I I, yeah, again, talking about the fact that we were do, talking a little bit about this beforehand. Uh, there's a couple of names that I can think of off the top of my head: Tyler Bates, who do, who did 300 as well as uh, both John Wick movies so far. I think he's on the third one, or at least I hope he is. He's done a few others. I think that I but, think he's done. Those, those are, those are definitely the biggest ones I can think of. Uh, Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer, uh, Batman. Dark. He was Dark Dark, Dark. Knight. You yeah, know the. Razor blades on violin. Oh, uh, oh. um, Hans Zimmer uh, with Klaus Bedelt did um, Pirates of the Caribbean. You yep. get over after the the second movie. Um, Hans Zimmer's done a lot of a lot of stuff that you'd recognize. Just I can't think of it off the top of my head. Like it's one of those one of those uh, composers that he's pretty he's he's yeah. had his finger in a lot of pies. Yeah. Nowhere near John Williams, who (laughs) is the single, I'm going to say the single greatest, like, classical composer nowadays. Yeah. Uh, You know what? I will not disagree. Well, he understands a catchy melody. That's the thing. He understands, like, any movie movie series that Williams has been a part of, there's always that one song that everyone knows from it. Yeah. The Jurassic Park theme. uh, Star Wars. uh, Harry Potter. He did the the first movie, and I believe he came back for the finale. I think so. Uh, he did Jaws, which everyone knows Jaws, and there's an yep. example of a, a song that took over a movie. Whenever yeah. that starts, you know that something's going to happen. Something's going down in, yeah. not in a good <laughs> way. Duel of the Fates. Duel of the Fates. Uh, you hear yeah. that, and everybody who's <laughs> ever seen <laughs> that, 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 The that Phantom Menace instantly mm-hmm. knows yeah. That it's going to be an epic lightsaber battle between Darth Maul and Qui Gon and Obi Wan. Exactly. And they're just sitting there going, oh, this is going to be epic. And that's, again, one of those moments when your heart starts pumping, your adrenaline gets into it, and you just know, oh, man, I can't wait. This is going to be action packed. And you're, it's helping to drive the action in that scene. Yeah, because it complements the action. Well, go home with Baby Driver, all. Everything in that movie is set to the rhythm of a song that's currently playing. Exactly, and even even the even the action sequences, the, the, the all the driving and the shooting, it's like yeah. everything is set to to specific beats. Yeah, even yeah. so much as the setting down of the coffee cups and the stacks of cash in the one scene just all time to a person on a cell phone in the background <laughs> typing to the, the beat of the song. Yeah, like... Everything in that movie. The, the amount, amount of the bell on the door of the coffee shop that he goes mm-hmm. into is perfectly timed. He's always just saying, yeah, 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 in time with the the with the song he's listening yeah, to before, yeah, he or, yeah. Yeah. before he or It's like, uh, everything is timed so damn good. You know, it's, Harlem something. Yeah. Everything yeah. 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 is timed so strictly. It's like, how did they not go insane? And when ultimately it does actually misalign, when or near the end, when he's like really panicking, it actually misaligns, which draws your attention to the fact that he's not lined up with the music. And then he'll stop and he'll lines back up with the music and then continues. And it's almost <sighs> like you're watching a musical. Yeah. You essentially Spar- are, but just no yeah. one's actually singing. action musical. Which yeah. I also think is funny because there's the one part in the movie where he's like, hold on a second. Restarts <laughs> the song. <star> and <laughs> you're yes. at the beginning of neat, neat, neat. Yeah. And he goes, the, yeah. Okay, go. And everybody goes and they start doing their thing. Yeah. And I always say they, they respect it enough. That it's like they're they kind of giving him a look, but it's like, fine. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, And while it sometimes plays a bigger role than we necessarily want to give it credit to because we don't realize it until much after the fact... You don't realize it. <laughs> well, yes, I don't realize it. And to be honest with you, a lot of people don't. And that's fine. Yeah, um, I'm the weird one because these two can testify. I usually have music playing or on me in in almost every capacity. So Yeah, I mean, I do too, but most of mine is something that I can sing along with. So mm-hmm. um, that's just because of choir and everything when I was a kid. Yeah, I've got more than a few uh, soundtracks on here. Right. Um, so going off of that... Before we jump in, I'm also going to say that John Williams and Indiana Jones. Yes, yeah, we forgot That's that. That's the one. one that I was trying to find out. So okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, every series, every series that man touches, there's at least one song from it that everyone knows. Yeah. Also, Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman has a, a wild career. He's got a weird. He's got a weird song, sound to him too, though. Yeah. it's like it's not. It's not what you definitely think is traditional. I mean, look at the first, uh, the, the Batman 89 or Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, no, he wasn't involved. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. He, he was the Sorry, sorry. Nightmare think all something else. Was all him, yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas. He does a scene for Jack. That's the funny part. Yeah. Okay. But it's like, he's got a very weird, distinguished sound, too. Yeah. He's still doing stuff. Just, you'd be amazed what some of the newer stuff that Danny Elfman's done. Because it's not, all of a sudden like, oh, that's him? Oh, okay. I'm not Dick. sure, considering was part of Oingo Boingo. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, hey, a dead man's party. I liked Oingo Bongo when oh, I was younger. Oh, that hurt. Um, well, it's just another day. Right. Uh, so going off of that, um, another thing that helps to lend to what's going on in the action film is uh, the production design or the set pieces that uh, fall into the background of what's going on and ultimately allow for certain parts of action to take place so like you mentioned earlier tom cruise climbing up the tower you can almost guarantee that tom cruise basically saw a picture of that of that hotel tower and it's like i want to climb that let's make a movie where i can climb this right or when he's uh outside of the um plane hanging off the wing of that thing (laughs) going huh This seems like a good idea. I should hang off of this thing and try to get inside of it. Yeah, I should totally be the one who actually does that. You know those kind of things. Yes, (laughs) Um, but not only that, but also too. But seeing the sweeping views, the going kind of this goes into like James Bond. Yeah, Uh, a lot of James Bond is in production design. Mm -hmm. All like Hugo Drax's lair or Blofeld's castle or. Like the the crater, or like moving into uh, the newer ones the the crane scene, the, the crane, crane scene, the the parkour from uh, Casino Royale, or the the desolate city from Skyfall. Yeah, yeah, Skyfall. <laughs> the the opening in Spectre with the uh, the um, Day of the Dead celebration, or uh, all those kind of things, or another another route, Alita. Yeah, Alita, the, the production go into design. Sci- my God. When you go into sci-fi or period piece for any kind of movie, not just action, you end up with some of the most amazing production design. Like Alita Battle Angel's production design is top notch. Amazing. Lord of the Rings production design is one of, if not the best, achievements ever. And I'm not sure when it is we're gonna hit that again because yeah. they I said I'll say well, they, they tried didn't. to with uh, the Hobbit trilogy, but it, it, it didn't, it didn't, they didn't have, they didn't let the time, they didn't let it gesticulate. Yeah, you look at Lord of the Rings, they're, they're, I guess they're considered action, they're fantasy action, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's but action parts in it. I Unless guess that's kind of what we can, a whole lot of what you're looking at is practical. Yes. And that is all on a yeah. production designer. Yep. All those um, people wearing that chain mail, all those people wearing that armor, that is more often than not yeah. a handmade piece for that person. Yep. Um, even though they're incredibly long movies, um, I have to give it up to uh, the people who made Gods and Generals in Gettysburg. Oh, okay. Um, they came out a while ago. They're based off of Killer Angels and the, and the book Gods and Generals, uh, which are uh, by Jeff and I believe Michael Shara, um, father and son authors who hmm. write uh, historical fiction um and uh they're fantastic pieces of uh film and the set pieces and uh production that they went that just went into those films is unbelievable considering that the fact that it's civil war era they're using a lot of the same locations that they actually had these battles at um and then the fact that they have the, the just the being able to see the scenes of these soldiers going across the fields towards each other. Um you know having the bayonet charges towards each other. Um it, it's being able to showcase what's the scenery that you have to really bring about that action um and bring that to life. Is just astounding in, in a lot of these cases because you don't get to see that it, you don't really think about the person who's going out there, uh, before the movie even comes uh, into um, shooting to find the locations for all these places, who goes around the world to find the exact location that's going to be perfect for, say, uh, the Martian, for instance, yeah, the Namibian desert, yeah, and or being able to find something for Lord of the Rings, uh, finding the exact spot for uh, for Gondor. Or even you look at, uh, it's not a movie, but you look at Game of Thrones. Yeah. Their production design has always been top-notch. Well, Absolutely. And I think it also ties very much into the practical versus CGI. But it's basically, it's like the team you get determines how, how big you can go practically. Going back to uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, it's like the the set and the production for that. It was it was minimal, but everything served its purpose. Like the the beginning of the film where they have where they go to the Norwegian camp and find it all burnt out and everything. That was the set of the American camp after they trashed it for everything they needed. They did that last, so they didn't so they just saved some money. It's like that's also probably a good thing. It's like, where's your penny pinchers? Sorry. Where can they cut corners and have it realistically work? Yeah. And while this isn't an action film, look at Titanic. Them building a three quarter scale replica of the Titanic and having them. You know, break that thing apart. You know, and, I have to wonder: did we really keep on track with action films or we just do in general? Because <laughs> well, it seems like we kind of, strayed most, we've kind of strayed when it comes to more of the esoteric stuff. Right. <laughs> but we're giving examples of the set pieces and production design things. These are things that go into it. If we go back to, for instance, the uh, uh, the movies for Mission Impossible, look at from where it started off with. Having the most of the film shot in what looked like one city for the most part, and just taking off from there to we're at uh what is it Dubai, okay, and we're watching this giant sandstorm come in and go after one of the largest towers in the world I guess that's another thing that could really <laughs> escalation. Like that's, <laughs> that's a huge part of it because like you said the beginning one it starts off with his team getting getting ganked and it, it ends with him blowing up a helicopter that's grapple hooked to a bullet train going through a tunnel and it doesn't feel like it made a big jump to that. it felt like a natural progression to that level of what the what the hell exactly yeah. which brings us into our next spot story. I'm going to go on record and say that as long as the story is serviceable, I care more about the action in an action movie. Which is true. I think that the story should service the action in an action film. I think I will actually reverse that for myself is that the action should support the story. Yeah, the action should support the story. If you have a. There's only so many times you can have, I'm the big evil dude, and I'm going to murder everybody, and then the hero going, I'm the hero, I'm going to save everybody. You can only do that so many times before it's like, That's okay. true. Yeah, it's and, fair. and going back to, again, one of my favorites, John Wick, at the end of the day, what, what is it? It's that someone, something he cared about got taken from him. I'm going to go on a revenge killing spree. But every So fight, old boy. Yeah, pretty much. But every fight in John Wick serves the story of, I'm going to kill this son of a bitch. Where the hell is he? Everything serves it. See, the only problem with, like, when you really start thinking about the storylines in action movies, they're shit. There's (laughs) about five of them, and they just copy paste. Like, uh, this guy did something that I don't like, so I'm going to kill him, is also this guy imprisoned me, so I'm going to kill him. This guy killed, or this guy took my daughter, so I'm going to kill him. This guy took my car, so I'm going to find my car and kill him. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to kill everyone in, in between us. That's where action movies, yeah, the story. It's nice when it actually has an interesting plot. Like a lot of the spy action movies, you get interesting Wait, plots. Like, they tend to lean more towards thriller for their plot, for their yeah. story. Story. Yeah. But you look at James Bond. How many times is it that I've been sent to find, I'll just say, Blofeld, and he's an evil guy with a bunch of minions, and I have to go take him out. A whole lot of Bond movies are just that. M told me I had to go find the evil scientist that's starting to destroy the world. Did yeah, she, did she Brax. mean Bullfeld or uh, someone else or Goldfinger? Because honestly, it's getting hard to keep track of a it talk. It's like that. Yeah. You're right. It's like when you boil it down, it's like well, big evil guys surrender the world up the whole world, unless we do this. Bond kill him. Yeah, like even if we jump into Marvel, which we haven't really talked much about. No, Thanos is a big evil dude doing something that we consider evil. The reason he works is that you get his side of the story. His motivation and, in a weird way, strict moral code to his ethics makes him compelling because he sees himself as the hero. He sees himself as doing good for the world. And honestly, I will take that over the cookie cookie cutter, like, mm. I'm evil, I want to kill everyone because I'm evil, 99% of the time. So every- it's like... Um- Thor 2 had that. <laughs> I'm evil, and my name's Malakith. Malekith, that was it. Yeah, I know. A lot of people don't remember the villains. I knew it was Mal-something. But I'm just here to, to kill everybody. It's like, oh, okay. So the big issue that everyone has with Game of Thrones lately is that Night King was just evil for evil's sake. And nobody was happy with that. They wanted some kind of character so that... That ended up as an issue. Uh, well, again, it's like it's not always bad to have just the evil for evil's sake. Look at uh, uh, look at the raid. Yeah, the, it, you don't like, ever get his motivation. Yeah, the boss, the boss, the the, the bad guy. at That is like if it's not Mad Dog just being insane jackass, it's the the actual crime <laughs> lord who's just he's a crime lord who cares who gives a crap. But with something, every so, uh, I I prefer the Thanos where it's like. No, no. Okay, I get your motivation. I don't. I don't agree with you, but I get it. Yeah, you look at Joker in Dark Knight. His motivation is he's crazy, and that's it. I'm sure he has more motivation than that, but really, it's just he's crazy. Yeah, what right. showcased was that he was psycho. Yeah, exactly. Um, with uh, you know, Kill Bill. Not really sure exactly uh, who the hero is in that movie. Yeah, who the hero or who the villain is in that movie. I don't think there is one. Um, that's a lot of Tarantino. You're never really sure who his hero. Hero is hero. You know Pretty sure that the bride is supposed to supposed to be the hero or heroine in that movie. Took, took her wedding night away from her, so she's killing everybody. Right. Well, yeah. I'm leaving you. So, um, bye. You're leaving me. Um, yeah. you're taking the thing you're taking <laughs> like what L, you are. are. Yeah. You're taking what I love away from me. So now I'm going to take what you love away from you, and that's your life and your future. Yeah. Um so I mean they again coming back to that same you took something from me, now I'm going to I mean end you, end you yeah. or whatever. Um and then you have all of these people who are essentially doing their job. Well the well, first one she finds is he isn't even doing that. She's yeah, just living out at home with her No, but with her kid, yeah. I'm doing my job. This is why I've come to kill you. I'm following Oh, those. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. they, they following were following like, orders from Bill to come and kill you. Spoiler if you haven't seen Kill Bill. Uh Ooh. <coughs> sorry. <laughs> How many spoilers have we dropped already, Heaven? Yeah. A lot. Right. But um, it's no no I agree. It's like they were doing a job and she's just trying her biggest beef is with Bill. Yeah and she I think the big thing is that she was trying to find him and then she just decided I'm gonna murder you all anyway and her, her, motives, in her, way. her motives for doing everything are laid bare when she first wakes up and she kills the nurse uh <laughs> buck uh, who's here for other reasons um <clears throat> and uh scary, right? when she mm-hmm. starts slamming his head uh with the door uh she says where's bill I don't know bill Wham! where's Bill? I don't know. Where's Bill? And she just keeps repeating, "Where's Bill?" Until finally, he's gone, and she goes, "Well, that's over with. I guess I better get out of here, find Bill." Her whole point is to find Bill and make him answer for what happened. So we know her motivation. It's it's pretty simple. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's, so story isn't a big thing. Like we've said numerous times now, there's like five action story plots, and honestly, as long as it's serviceable, I generally don't really notice it or care. Yeah, you know, as long as it's as long as it's at least interesting, uh, an action movie can be fine. Um, yeah. Some of the best action movies are like, yeah, I'm a clone. I'm gonna go find my clone or my original person, and then now, boom, you have like what sixth day? You have Island. You have like just. Carbon copy, yeah. Carbon copy something. It's like I might not be human. Gemini Man, yeah. (laughs) Gemini Man. That's what that's gonna be. Yeah, pretty much. But like, then you have the the more horror based ones that are. I'm afraid for my life, so I'm fighting back. So you end up with like 28 days later, 28 weeks later. You know, all of the horror, uh, Resident Evil, the thing kind of thing is more procedural. No, and I I understand that, but ish, yeah. Or um, then you have people hunting evil things. So like a blade, you a Hellboy, a you know, a whole lot of comics are that way. Yeah. You've uh, Captain America Winter, uh, Winter Soldier is him hunting the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I mean and yeah. then got, Hulting, you know, and then you've got the I've gotta go save somebody. So you've got like the saving private Ryan, you Take you've it. Got taken yeah, Martian, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we there's there's such uh, ubiquitous tropes for this sort of stuff that it again, it's like we could play we could play this six degrees of of uh, motivation and yeah. pretty easily get anywhere. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then finally, what really ties everything together uh, with any action film, um, every single one of them has a director who knows how to put together an action sequence and bring story and everything else together or into if they, one thing. Or if they don't, they know who to get more. Yeah. Or hopefully. Hypothetically. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, Typically, if it's going, gl- if it's an acclaimed action film, yeah, if it's an action film that people actually want to see, yeah, yeah, it means that they have a director who knows what they're doing with an action film. With action, you have actually like the widest selection of either really good directors, like like a Chad Stahelski, Spielberg, you know, any of those that are actually really good, down to someone like Uwe Boll who yeah. makes action films. Sure, yeah, they're action films, but they're terrible. And you have a white action is one of the easiest. You've got make. a rainbow. You have, there's action and there's horror. Those are the two easiest types of movies to make. That being said, good action or good horror. Yeah, that's that's, that's where the nitty gritty comes yeah, in. That's the that's the thing, and you need a decent, at least a decent director, good actors, and everything ties in with the director. The director doesn't know what he's doing, or the director is visually really good, but doesn't know how to deal with actors, you end up with the prequels. Yeah. <laughs> prequels look amazing. I will never say that the prequels don't look amazing. Some of the animation in the first... Wonky. Movie, but, yeah, but it's product of the times. Right. Came out right around the same time as Matrix, so you really can't 99. see anything. It came out in 99, yeah, I think. Same, so same time as 99, Matrix. Somewhere in there. Uh, 99. Um, anyway, like, you end up with the prequels if you have someone that's really good at visuals but not good with actors. If you have someone that's really good with actors, but not good with visuals, you end up with, like, an action movie that's really boring to look at. And you need a good balance, but you end up with, like, all those straight-to-DVD, straight-to-bargain-bin-type movies, a whole lot of action films. Like, Chaos Heat, and, you know, that kind of boring, like, you watch it, you go, well, they had fun making this. Same with a lot of horror movies. You don't see so many romantic comedies or... Well, you see a lot of romantic comedies in that kind of bin too, but they're not good. Yeah, but and then you've got yeah. a lot of the middle of the row ones. So, like, you're gonna end up with like your Demolition Man's, and you're gonna, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, yeah. where, or like Escape from New York, or Escape from L.A., or The Rock, The Rock. I mean, what was it Escape from New York? Whatever it was. There's um, both. Yeah, I mean, the, Escape I, from Mars, I mean, aka Go of yeah. Mars. Yeah. Text, go some Mars Attacks. What? Go of Mars. Yeah, Ghost from Mars oh. it was originally supposed to be third. Oh yeah. yeah, Escape from uh, yeah. Mars. Yeah, um, that's amazing, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean John it, Carpenter. Yeah, but um, or like John Carpenter's Vampires. The action sequences in there really. I, um, the biggest thing that I can say is that even <laughs> for for a director, just knowing what they can or can't do, and it, it's one of the few things where I think. That uh, it, it's one of the few genres where I think the director should realize like a physical ability is probably more important than acting ability. Acting yeah. can either be excused or, or worked with a lot more than physicality. Yeah. But yeah. one director that gets a lot of crap and will is still getting a lot of crap is Michael Bay. Yeah. Michael Bay. As, like, if he moves outside of action, he's not a great director. As an action director, he is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He knows how to shoot action. Maybe he doesn't know how to keep action co- coherent, but he knows how to get the cool shot. He knows how to make the girls look good, make the guys look, look badass. And, Heroic, yeah. You know, right. he's very good at that kind of thing. And. Some of his movies, like Bad Boys, Bad Boys Two, Armageddon, are actually a lot of fun. Armageddon. Yeah. Uh, I personally love The Island. It's not a great movie, but I do love. We said one earlier. The Rock. The Rock. The Rock yeah. was Michael Bay. Uh, Pain and Gain, which wow, <laughs> that is one of the dumbest movies I have ever seen. It hurts me to know that that's an actual actual like real life story, right? Wow. But on top of that, but also too, beyond just being able to uh, get like the shot and whatever. Um, and you said you know being able to do physical over the acting. Also, too, sometimes being able to just know how to get a big name in in order to help support a cast that may be lacking otherwise. Yeah. Because sometimes that's going to be the draw. Uh, Fast and Furious when they brought in uh, the Rock. Mm-hmm. When they brought in the Rock. When they brought to so save the franchise. Fast and Furious is one of those weird franchises that start it was okay. The first one was fine. It was a product of its time, the you 10, know, 90s or yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the second one was meh. Tokyo Drift, yeah, meh. Fourth one yeah. came around and they were like, oh, this could be interesting. And then they brought in The Rock with, I believe it was Fast Five. And it, all of a sudden, the series took off. Mm-hmm. Fast Five was surprisingly good and it had no right to be. And since 6, 7, 8, They kept The Rock in. They brought in Jason Statham. They brought in... What was it? Was that Lee Pace that played Statham's brother? But like every time, they keep adding new people. And Yeah, they lost Paul Walker, but they found a way to... Lee Evans. Lee Evans, yeah. They found a way to make the series better and better. And now, with Hobbs and Shaw coming out... Oh my god, that that trailer sold me on the movie. I need to watch it. They cut the fat. (laughs) They now have... Jason Statham, who is phenomenal in, you know, like... He's in tons of movies, good action movies. Transporter. Yeah. Trans, I love Transporter. The second and third are even still fun. Yeah. They're um, not good, but they're fun. I mean, uh, for no. what it's worth, I really loved him in an Italian job. Yeah, I liked him in an Italian job. <laughs> yeah, but it, um, getting, getting back to the yeah. Fast and Furious thing, it's like they found they found what worked. Yeah. And it... Yeah, they yeah they brought in this a, a big star name, but it's also... Even some of the ones that don't have big, over-the-top choreography, like The Raid or like uh, uh, John Wick, they, it's still good when you work within the person's capabilities. Not everybody needs to be a martial arts master. The big one that comes to mind is a couple of fight scenes in Atomic Blonde. Yeah, I was show this Yeah, that is not... Those are not... They are well-choreographed fights. They are not martial arts battles. Yeah. There's someone who's using everything they can to make the other person not move anymore. Yeah, like Saoirse Ronan in Joe Wright's movie, uh, Hannah. Mm-hmm. Saoirse Ronan was amazing in that movie. Like, she's gone on to get nominations for, like, Lady Bird and a bunch of Oscar contenders. But she played, like, she was... I think she was, like, a super soldier. That, like, a science assassin something like that? Uh, kind of. She was an American test tube baby that was then raised by a an assassin. <clears throat> they call her Solid Snake. Yeah. And That's the closest we're getting to a Metal Gear yeah. movie, I swear. And the movie was phenomenal. Yep. It, it had some weird choices in like, music and that kind of stuff, but it has a really cool soundtrack. Again, going back to the soundtrack, it has some really interesting choreography, really good uh, cinematography, and the and director, they- Joe Wright, who did Atonement, like, a couple years earlier, just did this kind of random, weird, almost pseudo-sci-fi action movie with a girl that nobody's heard of. And somehow works. And, and like like I said, it's like it was well choreographed, but it was also uh, toned, tuned to what the actual actress could do, right? Yeah. Like, you don't see anything she does, and it's like, oh, come on, you're going to expect me to believe that? She doesn't do, like, heavy punches. She's agile. No. And then on top of that, again, going with directors, knowing when to bring somebody in. Look at the 90s or 80s and 90s. You had all the Chuck Norris films. You had all the Schwarzenegger films. You (laughs) had the Stallone films. (laughs) You had the um, uh, Steven Seagal films. You had all those films then. Now, who do you really have now? You have The Rock. The Rock is leading the way. Jason Statham. Statham. Yeah. Yeah, you have The Rock and Jason Statham really leading the way, more so The Rock right now than anybody else at the forefront of leading the way for action films. Um, And directors know that if you put the rock on on the camera and give him any form of action sequence for even 30 seconds in a film, and you're able to put even part of that into a trailer, you're going to sell tickets to that film hands down time and time again. Jumanji comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, Rampage. Yeah. Rampage should not have been good, but it it was fun. (laughs) Skyscraper. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was the one uh San Andreas? Yeah, San Andreas. Yeah. Oh my god. I, I mean, forgot about that. I um, enjoyed parts of San Andreas, I'll be honest. No, but I no, forgot no, about, that's about that's it. That's I mean, a dumb like, movie. <laughs> like, not gonna lie, I enjoyed some of those things. But at the same time, when we were growing up, going to see the latest Schwarzenegger film and going, God, I really enjoyed parts of that film or whatever. Because of the fact that, like, you went there, you weren't expecting more than this is going to be an action film. The director knows that if they put this actor in front of me and tell them to act in this action y way, I'm just going to sit there and eat it up, going, Oh, yeah, more popcorn. Yeah, this popcorn is a great movies. action film. Their popcorn oh, this movies. is awesome. We haven't even talked about James Cameron. Like, Rubber. Aliens? <laughs> Nikes, yeah. Jesus, Aliens is an action horror. It is. And we have Terminator 2, one of the best sci fi actions ever made. And for what it's worth, Avatar. Yeah. Avatar is an unbelievably well made movie. Mm -hmm. The story is the only negative in that entire movie. And that's really the only thing I ever harp on. Yeah. I will make that known. I defend the hell out of Avatar. I think the way they were able to make that film is unbelievable. It still looks better than most movies nowadays. Yeah. Like, you look at the animation, sure, some of it doesn't hold up, but it's also 10 years old. Right. The fact that it still holds up in any capacity is impressive. The fact that you look at that and you go, well, that person's not real. I'm like, well, what else is not real? Oh, that's all. And everything is digital. All of those plans, everything in that entire film is digital. To be fair, how long did they spend on that movie? Yeah, well, you look at his next one; it's coming out next year. Yeah, <laughs> but but no, it's, honestly, yeah. at the end of the day, the thing that makes good action is kind of subjective in its own way. It's like there's some stuff that definitely makes it so that you have the capability to have it, but I think really. It's too much too many combinations of too many little things. It's like Tom puts Tom here puts Demolition Man lower on the totem pole, like good action flick. Whereas I I like it for for those exact reasons that everyone says it's a cheesy piece of crap. Well no, I'm not saying I'm putting it lower on the totem pole. I'm just saying it's middle of the road. It's a it's a good action film, but I'm not saying it's like well, no, that's great what, quality. That's I'm kinda what saying, I meant. It's like yeah. you lower on the totem pole. Yeah. I didn't say low on yeah, the totem yeah, yeah. pole. Fair. But it's like, he puts lower than me because I, when I'm going for action, sometimes I want that cheesy over-the-top sort of thing. And that's that's what's exciting to me. Yeah. You say it's one of the easiest to make, but it's also one of the most subjective. Yeah. yeah. It's why, it's why Michael Bay has made 17,000 uh, Transformer movies. Upgrade. Yeah. Upgrade should not have been good. Better it than was a you mean? Super low-budget movie and yeah, it ended up It's basically the exact story of Venom, just better. Yeah, in almost every way, except for its production value. Yeah, again, you can look at you you can see the stuff. It's like it's got a serviceable story. Again, it's like uh, something I've taken from me. I'm gonna take it from you. Blah blah blah. But the choreography and all that sort of stuff is, and the editing is just phenomenal, even from just the trailers. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the score is subtle enough that you don't fully notice it. But if it wasn't there, you would. Be like Definitely there's something missing that. the acting is amazing the 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 body like individual part movements that he does that's and all that. there's your physicality right yeah. there i don't know how in the hell he did yeah, that, Logan Marshall Green, it it looks natural. It looks natural. It looks exactly like it's someone who can only control their face, essentially, and the body is doing everything on its own. It doesn't look herky-jerky. Well, it's kind of like anybody who can do the pop and lock routines or anything like that. The way that people can literally move their bodies is just insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so again, that brings us through the direction Um and honestly it's it's a genre that will never die no no there'll always be something bigger better more subtle and more crisp and we'll see variations it's like look at look at books how many actiony books are there how many stuff it's like we'll find a variation even if it's essentially retreading something yeah, exactly. like a new musical for broadway <laughs> exactly so uh that those are the things that we really look for when we look for a good action film. Yeah, that brings us uh, through uh, our breakdown. Yeah. Um, Devin, uh, what do we have coming up next week? Well, uh, this week, again, John Wick uh, three, Dog's Journey, and Sun is Also a Star. I'll probably end up seeing Sun is Also a Star at some point. I'll be surprised if the other two come anywhere close to John Wick. Yeah. yeah. Then next week we have uh Booksmart which looks like a cool coming-of-age comedy so I might oh, see it. Yeah. Right. Uh, we have the first movie not directed by him but written and produced by him by James Gunn, Brightburn coming out. I'm really looking forward Curious about that. What that? if Superman found out he was like figured out and got corrupted by his own power early? Which is terrifying and looks just amazing from everything I've seen. Uh, To be honest, this is the one that I'm really looking forward to, Mm -hmm. Same next week. Absolutely. Um, Like, hands down. But the big one coming out is Disney's Aladdin. Um, Yeah, I'll be seeing that. I'll be seeing it. I won't. It's one of those that the first trailer, yeah, we mentioned the, the CGI practical. This was one where. CGI wasn't quite working in the first trailer. Yep. Second trailer? Not bad. Uh, Will Smith as the genie? I'm actually good. Uh, I don't... I'm not one that thinks they need to stick to the original. No, honestly, I think you maybe mentioned this earlier, he's snarkier. Yeah. He's definitely definitely the more sarcastic one. And I'm gonna work very, very hard to try to get past the fact that he looks like a peep that got stuck in the microwave for too long. (laughs) I think he looks cool. Honestly, I don't think he'll be spending much time as that, but... Honestly, the trailer looked interesting. I've just seen the story before. I don't give a damn. Yeah, I've seen Aladdin. Yeah. I know what I know what's coming. I, I don't know the beats. Really care they, the, in, in the, the trailer. Jafar looks weird. Sounds he sounds wrong. He sounds wrong. He doesn't look because if I'm not mistaken, it's not. Um, it's not uh, the gentleman who normally plays him. Yeah, in everything else, he's not yeah. regal enough. Yeah, you know what? I think he, that's. He almost no looks like he's. Jafar's son. No, no, he looks like Iago. Yeah. He he looks like what a human representation of Iago would be. Yeah. Isn't Iago being played by Steve or by like Stephen Colbert or uh, Oliver? Or I don't those? know. That He's one strange. of the late night comedians, and I'm like, well, that's a weird, weird choice. Yeah. <laughs> fair, sure. To be fair, Godfrey wasn't exactly yeah. the first thing to come into the top of your head. Yeah. But no, it's like it, but, uh, it seen it before. Alan Tudok. Oh, okay. yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> Crap. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm. I'll see it. I'm not expecting like anything to really blow me away. Well, even in the trailer, they had a uh, uh, sh- uh, whole new world. It's like, oh, we're gonna retread this one, eh? Well, yeah. they have also, uh, I've also seen the trailer with them doing uh, from like me. Oh yeah. And I'm yeah, just not looking forward. Like. I'm curious to see how well it does. Uh, I think it'll it'll make its budget back. It'll make some I'd be, money. I would but be surprised if it doesn't. Yeah, yeah I would. Not gonna lie though, I would. I'm very sad that they don't have Jonathan Freeman playing Jafar. Jonathan Freeman has played Jafar from the original uh, movie of Aladdin through, and he's also played him on Broadway. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't caught them. <coughs> Maybe they did. He looks the part too. Yeah, I mean he can pull it off. I don't know, but I'll give it a chance. We'll see where it, how it turns out. Mm. I hope it at least decent. <coughs> we can only hope. Um, Which so. Ah John Oliver is Zazu in uh, Lion King. Ah Ah uh, Okay, that makes sense. Is, that would make sense. Yeah. One of them was playing a bird somewhere. That actually makes that actually makes yes. Yeah. Yep. But um, and then so with all that coming out, what's going to be our topic for the next? episode then? I believe we decided on musical. Musical. I'm uh, not sure if we'll do the same kind of breakdown or if we'll kind of go through some musicals that we like. Not quite a list. We'll kind of make it a little bit freeform. Freeballing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that musicals aren't our top of the list, like things that we love the most, but I yeah. can think of a number of them that are pretty weird and out there. I can think yeah. of a couple that I enjoy a lot. Yeah. I'm... Um, I I love musicals, not gonna lie. Oh, Always right. have. He's the weight. He's the one that actually weighs in on this. Well um, I mean I, I quarter kid. Yeah, quarter kid. So I mean I'm theater a kid. The theater. So a couple of my, my picks are strictly because I was theater. I was homeschooled as a high schooler. So I I mean, I've just got the eclectic one, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah. So, well well it definitely won't be the breakdown, I don't think though. No. No. So Yeah, that was our mess of a, like, hey, here's action movies. And this has also been uh, In the Can Podcast. Uh, For In the Can Podcast, I'm Devin. I'm Tom. I'm James. And we will be back next week with musicals and other things like that. And uh, probably raving about John Wick 3. Yep, sounds good. So, So until then, have a nice week. Watch more movies. Don't get depressed about Game of Thrones. And yeah, have a nice week.